Allah is definitely going to test you. How? Bishay'in with something. What thing? Min al-sayd of the game. Al-sayd, sadiyadal, an animal that is hunted. For example, a deer or some kind of bird that people hunt. So Allah is definitely going to test you through something of the game. Tanaluhu aydikum. That your hands and your spares can reach. You can reach that game, that animal, literally with your hand. It's so close to you that you could grab it by your hand or you could easily shoot at it with your spare. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you through this. Because this will be at a time when you will not be allowed to hunt. And why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting you in this situation? لِيَعْلَمَ اللَّهُ So that Allah may know مَنْ يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ Who is it that fears him in the unseen? That he hasn't seen Allah, yet he fears Allah. That even though it's so easy for me to catch this animal right now, but Allah has told me not to catch, not to hunt, therefore I'm not going to. Allah is testing that who fears Allah. In this ayah basically, the believers are being prepared for a test. Primarily, the sahaba, but by extension, all of us. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this life for what? As a test. خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا He has created death and life so that He can test you which of you is good in deeds. So our entire life is what? A test. In which every single moment we are being observed. That do we do good or do we do bad? Do we obey or do we disobey? And remember that some tests are small. They're very minor. Like for example, you get poked by your pin as you're putting your hijab on. This is also a test. That do you do good there or do you do bad? Do you say something good or do you say something bad? This is a test. And some tests are big. They are major. They are very obvious. They affect your life more than a pin would. Like for example, it could be the person that you're living with. It could be the kind of money that you're earning. It could be the situation that you're in in your life, the house that you're living in, the children that you have, the spouse that you have. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests people through Various ways. Sometimes through money, sometimes through other people, sometimes through a person's circumstances, a situation. But the reality is that every moment we are being tested. Every moment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing us. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمُلًا And here also, a test is mentioned. That all believers, لَيَبْلُوَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will surely, definitely, test you. But this test is different. This test is to see who fears Allah. 
Who fears Allah? And what does it mean by bil ghaib in the unseen? That Allah is in the unseen. He hasn't seen Allah, yet He fears Him. Because who do we fear generally? People. This is why it is said that the best car safety device is a rear view mirror with a cop in it. So we fear people. When we see the cop, we drive carefully. And when we don't see the cop, we drive however we wish. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we do not see. We have not seen. The test is that who fears Allah despite not having seen Him? Despite not seeing Him. And what does it mean by fearing Allah? Bothers to obey Him. Cares about what He has forbidden, what He has commanded. So this is what the test is going to be about. That who obeys out of the fear of people and who obeys out of the fear of Allah. Who stays away from disobedience out of the fear of people and who stays away from disobedience out of the fear of Allah. Because the normal circumstances, everybody is mixed. Everybody is doing good, everybody is staying from bad and you know every person believes that, yeah, I'm a good person. Right? When you're in the masjid, everybody's praying, yeah, 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 run to salah. Yeah, don't scratch yourself. No matter how much you want to, but don't scratch yourself in salah because that's not what you're supposed to do. But what happens when you're praying alone in your room, fajr, and nobody's watching? How do you pray there? When do you pray there? In what manner do you pray there? So that is a test. Do you fear Allah or do you fear people? Because those who fear people do good as long as people are there. And those who fear Allah do good even when nobody is watching them. Even though it is very easy to disobey. Even though the opportunity to sin is right before them. Yet they will stay away. Why? Because they fear Allah. So, لِيَعْلَمَ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ Now, this verse is about a particular incident. The Sahaba, when they went for Umrah with the Prophet ﷺ, the Umrah which they couldn't perform, the result of which was the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, and so many companions went with the Prophet ﷺ, it was a couple hundred of them. And remember that it was a very peaceful journey. They weren't going for a battle. But they were going in the way of Allah. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that every time you go out for the sake of Allah, no matter what kind of the trip it is, no matter what kind of task you're going to perform, you will be tested. The Muslims went for battle, at Badr they were tested. The Muslims went for Umrah, and they were tested. So it doesn't matter whether it's very peaceful or not, you know, it doesn't matter how you are feeling, you will be tested in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Sahaba, this test came to them on this journey of theirs for Umrah. Now remember that in Umrah, when you go for Umrah, after a certain point, you have to put on your ihram. And when you're wearing your ihram, then there are certain things that you're not allowed to do. Like what? Like what? Cutting your hair, trimming your nails, these things that you're not allowed to do. Likewise, a person is not allowed to hunt. So for example, he sees a deer 
five steps away from him. He could literally catch it and slaughter with his sword. You can't do that. Likewise, with an arrow, a person could catch another animal. He can't do that. This is the test. So the Sahaba, when they camped somewhere, there were so many birds and animals that were within their reach, that they could easily hunt. Easily hunt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تَنَالُهُ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَرِمَاحُكُمْ Your hands and your spears will reach. تَنَالُهُ from noon ya lam, nail is to reach. Aidi is hands, and rimah is the plural of rumh, ramimha, which is a spear. So with your spears, you could shoot them. With your hands, you could catch animals which are small. And with your spears, you could hunt animals which are big. But what was the command that you cannot hunt at that time? Even though it's so easy for you? Yes. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting them in such a difficult situation? Because He's testing them. Do you fear Allah? Or do you not fear Him? Do you just care about people? Do you just care about your own convenience? Or do you care about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So this was a big test for the Sahaba. You might think, yeah, so what? There are animals that you can hunt. What's the big deal? The thing is that if somebody knows how to hunt, and there is an animal right before them, and they can hunt it very easily, you think it's easy for them to keep their eyes away, to keep their eyes down, to keep their hands in control? It's not easy for them. Not easy for them at all. It's like you know how to do something. You like it. You enjoy it. But you are told you cannot do it. That's a big test for you because you have to control your desire. Some things don't matter to you. You don't care about them. And even though you have the opportunity to do it, it doesn't matter to you. Why? Because you don't care about it. Like for example, for some people, alcohol doesn't make any difference. There could be so much alcohol and they're not interested at all. For them it's not a big deal. All these verses about the prohibition of alcohol, you're like, yeah, okay, move on, continue. Yeah, it's understood that it's haram, we have no interest in it, let's continue. But there are some other people who are very, very attracted to it. For them, it's a big, big temptation. You know, it's like you go to school and for your parents maybe, it's... Not a big deal. I mean, yes, people are not dressed appropriately or they may be doing things which are not appropriate. And they're like, yeah, you should stay away from it. You shouldn't do it. But they're like, mom, you don't get it. You don't get it. If I walk into school with this hijab and abaya, do you see how different I look? Do you see? And they're like, what's the big deal? You're a Muslim. You're supposed to dress appropriately. Like, But do you see the challenge over here? The difficulty over here? That here are people who are barely clothed and here I am and you're forcing me to wear an abaya, cover myself from head to toe. Don't you realize how difficult it is? She doesn't realize because for her to put on that abaya is normal. But for you to put that on is like suffocating yourself to death. For you it's a big test, but for her it's not a big test. So every person has certain weaknesses. And you know what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests them through those weaknesses. The things that you are inclined to, things that you want to do, and they are wrong, Allah will put you in situations where you will be able to do those wrong things. 
where you have that chance to disobey Allah, where you have that chance to satisfy your desire. But that's the test. مَن يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ Who fears Allah when mom's not there, when dad's not there, when the teacher's not watching, when nobody's looking. But who's looking? Allah is looking. مَن يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ This is the test. And by the way, it's a big deal that a person is going through this struggle. On the one hand, his heart is pulling him. Do it. Look. Say something. Smile at least. You still don't talk to guys. You don't have any guys on your Facebook. If you don't talk, how will you get to know them? And how will you get married? And how will you have friends? And how will you be one of those cool girls? But on the other hand, the fear of Allah is stopping you. That No, I'm not going to. I'm not allowed to. I cannot. I have to stop myself right here. This is not appropriate. I have to stop myself right here. And when a person stops... This is a big deal. This is a big, a big conquest. Literally, it's a big conquest. It's a big victory. A great victory. So, مَن يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ This is the test. Do you follow your heart? Or do you fear Allah at that time? Do you follow your heart? You fulfill your desire? Or do you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So a very, very important life lesson that we learn from this ayah is that Allah will put you in situations when it will be easy for you to sin. When it will be easy for you to disobey Allah. You get a phone call and you're told, you have so much money in your bank account. You can get a credit card for this much money and you can have this much credit. And you're like, okay, sure, go ahead. You sign up for it. And then what happens is that you buy things on credit, so much so that you cannot pay for them. And you get into this vicious cycle. You can't get out of it. You have the opportunity to disobey Allah. And right there you need to stop yourself. Somebody is talking to you and they're like, yo, I really believe that you're a good person. Somebody from the opposite gender perhaps. And then they say one or two things and they just mesmerize you. And you're like, you know, it's so rude if I don't respond. It's so rude if I don't have even one conversation. It's so rude if I don't sit and eat with them. You know what, let me go have uh, tea with them or let me go have lunch with them and I'll explain to them that, you know, trying to be very serious about my religion, so I'm going to stay away from these things. And what happens? One conversation leads to another and leads to another and leads to another. This is how people get stuck in sin. This is how people get sucked into it. What do we think? We think, well, if Allah gave me the chance to do it, that means I'm supposed to do it. If Allah brought me here, that means it's good if I do it. Allah is giving me the opportunity. But you know what? Allah is testing you here. That do you stay away or do you fall? That's the test. May bil So remember that تَيْسِيرُ الْمَعْصِيَةِ when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes disobedience easy for a person, facilitates it for him, it doesn't mean that it's okay for the person to do it. No, it's still not okay. Allah is just testing you. Yusuf salam, was he not tested through that woman who locked the doors? She didn't just close them, she locked the doors. Not just one door, but many doors. And she told him, come here. Through every way she called him to haram. And did he say, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I mean, 
look, everything's working out in this way. I mean, the doors are locked and she's in love with me. I'm not. She's in love with me and she's calling me. And it's okay. I have been put in this situation. Maybe this is what I'm meant to do. He didn't do that. What did he say? Allah. I seek refuge with Allah. He didn't fall over there. What helped him? The fear of Allah. He feared Allah even though nobody was watching him there. Because he knew that my Lord knows what I'm doing. Allah knows what I'm doing. He has not allowed this for me. So just because you have the chance to sin, you have the chance to disobey, it doesn't mean it's okay for you. Because sometimes we allow ourselves, we say, it's not within my control, I've been put in this situation. You've been put in this situation for a reason. Allah is testing the strength of your faith. Then what do you do? Because sometimes what happens is, that for example, if you're sitting in the car, and your brother or whoever turns on the music, and you're like, well, you know what? What can I do? Like, poor me. What can I do? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. And then later on, you're... <laughs> Enjoying as well. So this is a test for you. That What do you do? Do you tell your brother, I need to talk to you. Put the volume down a little bit. I need to make a phone call. You can make different excuses to turn that off. But you can. But what do we do generally? You know what? This is how dunya is. This is how life is. This is how people are. The real world is very different from what the Quran is. So we have to face it. This is what we tell ourselves, don't we? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting you in a situation where disobedience is made easy because He's testing the strength of your faith. And here we are allowing ourselves to sin and disobey. The Sahaba, they didn't allow themselves to sin and disobey. They were strong. They didn't follow their heart. They feared Allah at that time. Allah says, فَمَنِ اعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ Then whoever transgresses after that, after what? Then he knows what he is supposed to stay away from, yet he disobeys Allah. He is put in a situation where sin is easy, he realizes that this is wrong, I'm not supposed to do it, but he says, well, if I've been put in this situation, maybe it's okay for me, or I think I should do it. Allah is allowing me, it's a sign, hint, I should take it, I should enjoy so a person enjoys himself, follows the heart, disobeys Allah. فَمَنِ اعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Then for him is a painful punishment. Not just a punishment, a painful punishment. Why? Because this is after knowledge. This is after awareness. It's not that a person is sinning because he doesn't know, because he's ignorant. He's sinning despite knowledge, despite realization that this is something that is haram, this is something I shouldn't be doing. Yet he does it. Then for him is a painful punishment. To the Sahaba, they refrained from hunting. Yusuf salam, what did he say? رَبِّ السِّجْنُ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ Oh my Lord, the prison is more beloved to me. I'd rather go to the prison than commit haram with this woman. Than make her happy, than disobey you. I'd rather go to the prison. Why? Because if a person enjoys himself, follows the heart, for some time here, then for eternity is what? عَذَابٌ alim. Sometimes you suffer. The Sahaba, you think they weren't hungry? When they saw all that 
venison before them? When they saw all that amazing meat walking before them? You think they weren't hungry? You think they weren't tempted? They were traveling. They were hungry. They were tempted. So sometimes, when you have to stop yourself, you suffer. You do suffer for some time. And that is a prison for you. But remember that this world is a prison for who? For the believer. This is why when he leaves the dunya, then he becomes free. This dunya is like a cage. And when he dies, then his soul is set free. Then he is happy. Then death becomes a source of relief and comfort for him in Jannah. But if a person is seeking comfort here, and for the sake of that, he is disobeying Allah because he can't suffer for Allah, then ultimately there is what? عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فَمَنِ اعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Let's listen to the recitation of this ayah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَيَبْلُوَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الصَّيْدِ تَنَالُهُ أَيْدِيكُمْ تَنَالُهُ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَرِمَاحُكُمْ لِيَعْلَمَ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَخَافُهُ بِالْغَيْبِ فَمَنْ اعْتَدَى بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَلَهُ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ So basically we see that when a person learns the rules of something, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests him too. This is just like when you learn half a juice, then you are tested for its meaning, for its understanding. So the Sahaba, they learned about the rules of Ihram and they were tested in their journey of Umrah. So when you're learning the deen, Allah will also test you. It may happen with you that you learn about sabr and forgiveness and tolerance and controlling anger. And you go home and one test after the other. Over there we can tell ourselves, well, my husband doesn't know what I learned in class today, so I can be angry as much as I want to be. My children have no idea about what I studied in class today. My mom doesn't know what I studied in class today, so what? But who knows? Allah knows. So He's testing you that what you just learned right now, are you going to apply it or not? First of all, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for afiyah, for well-being for being saved from fitna, for being saved from various trials. Because these trials can be very dangerous. We're human beings who become weak, we fail. Shaitan whispers, our nafs tempts, so we fail. So first of all, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from big, big tests, that your iman is saved. And secondly, stay away from all those things that lead you to wrong. Like for example, zina. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about it? لا تقربوا zina. Don't even go near zina. A person has the opportunity to look at someone, talk to someone, look at them again, ask about them, find out more about them, check out their Facebook page, check what kind of pictures they have, what kind of places they go to, what they like, what they eat. So you have to stop yourself right there. Because if you allow yourself to do one thing, then you'll do the next thing, and then you'll do the next thing, and then you'll get stuck in this big trap that will be so difficult to come out of it. We have all the knowledge.
knowledge and we know everything. But wisdom will come when we follow the sunnah. So if we... And learn the sunnah. And learn the sunnah. So I was thinking like, as you said, like sometimes we are being tested, but we think that, oh, this is from Allah too, and we take it as is. That will not come only by learning Quran. Quran is giving you knowledge, but if you want to implement it, you have to see how... The sunnah is how the way of Prophet is, and you know the dua, Allahumma arina al haqqa haqqa, warzukna tiba, you know, warina al batila batina, warzukna shtinaba. So we need to make these dua, and there is, subhanAllah, for every situation there is a dua, and you can only get them from sunnah. Through Quran also you learn a lot of wisdom, but the sunnah is the clarification of the Quran, right? It's the application. The dua that she mentioned. That, oh Allah, show us the truth, that which is correct, as the truth, as that which is correct. That we see it as right. We recognize it as right, so that we do it. وَرْزُقْنَا تِبَعًا And give us the ability to follow it. And show us wrong as wrong. And give us the ability to stay away from it. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who have believed, لَا تَقْتُلُوا الصَّيْدَ Do not kill the game. Meaning, do not hunt وَأَنْتُمْ حُرُمْ while you are in the state of ihram. Meaning, whether you go for hajj or for umrah, when you are in the state of ihram, then hunting is not allowed for you. وَمَنْ قَتَلَهُ مِنْكُمْ And whoever kills it from you, meaning whoever hunts while he is in the state of ihram, he couldn't control himself, متعمدًا Deliberately, he sees an animal and he just cannot help it. He says, this is perhaps my only chance to ever hunt a deer, so I'm just going to do it. So he does it. Then, فَجَزَاء Then, there is consequence. Then he has to give the kafara. What is that? There is punishment. And what is that? That فَجَزَاء Then the penalty, and jaza basically is the consequence for your action, right? The repayment for it. So over here, it gives the meaning of penalty. That the penalty for that is Mithlu, similar to ma qatala, that which he killed. So the animal that he killed, let's say it was a deer. Then similar to that, he has to offer and mina naam. It will be from who? The sacrificial animals. Grazing livestock. Naam from noon ayn meem, an'am from the same root. An'am is basically the plural. And an'am are grazing livestock domesticated animals that are raised for various reasons amongst them also eating. So basically, when a person hunts in ihram, then the animal that he hunted, he has to offer a similar animal as kafara. He has to offer a similar animal as kafara. Offer means he has to sacrifice for the sake of Allah. So for example, he hunted a deer. So similar to that would be what? Similar to that from the grazing livestock, from domesticated animals. Similar to that in size, in appearance is what? A big goat. And remember that similar means similar in appearance and in value. So you might say, well, a goat is nowhere near the value of a deer, but maybe a camel is, depending on the value. So in this case, what has to be done is that sacrifice has to be made of an animal that is similar to the animal that was hunted. But there is a little bit of confusion over here, right? Meaning that you have to decide which animal a person has to offer in sacrifice. You might say, well, one goat is not sufficient. He should offer three goats for a deer. For instance, so somebody has to decide. 
Allah says, يَحْكُمُ بِهِ He will decide, He will judge with it. Who? ذَوَا عَدْلٍ مِّنْكُمْ Two people of justice from you. Meaning two just people. Two just men. From among you, meaning from the Muslims, will decide which animal he should offer as penalty. Meaning it's not left to the discretion of the person who has hunted, but rather two just men who are known for their justice. They will decide which animal he should offer. And this animal that he is going to offer as penalty, it is going to be hadian. One that is delivered, بالغ الكعبة, hadian, an offering. Because it's from هَذَا And hadi is basically an animal that is taken to the haram. Because it's هَذَا Hidayah is what? Guidance. Which is to go from one place to the other. From point A to point B. A person was misguided, now he became guided. A person was ignorant, now he became learned. A person was sinful, now he became righteous. So hidayah is what? Transformation. You move on from one point to the other, from one phase to the other, from one chapter to the next in your life. This is what hidayah is. So hadiyan is an animal that is offered where? In the haram. So it is taken to the haram. That's why it's called hadiyan. Balagh al-Kaaba, one to reach the Kaaba. So basically, it will be taken to the haram and slaughtered over there. And what if that's not possible? That a person, he hunted a deer, but now he has to offer, let's say, a camel. That could be pretty expensive for him. What if he cannot afford that? Or let's say, it's an animal for which people cannot figure out what equivalent he could offer. Like let's say, a person hunts a zebra. Halal. And you're like, okay, but similar to that is a donkey and donkey is not halal. Okay, similar to that is a donkey and donkey is not halal. So in this case, where there's a bit of confusion, then in this case, a person will do kafaratun. He will offer expiation. What is that? Ta'amu masakin, Feeding needy people. He has to feed some needy people. And what if he cannot afford to do that? Or equivalent to that, siyaman in fasting. Now how many needy people and how many fasts? That's not mentioned over here because it depends on the animal that he hunted. So for example, he hunted a deer. And from those people, let's say, 10 people can easily consume an entire deer. For example, 10 people can comfortably Consume an entire deer. So how many needy people does he have to feed then? Ten. They cannot figure out an equivalent of that animal. They cannot find it. They cannot decide. They cannot find anyone to decide. So in this case, he will feed the number of needy people. Which number? The same number of people that can consume the animal that was hunted. And if that's not possible... Then, عَدْلُ ذَلِكَ صِيَامًا Equivalent to that, fasts. So, he could feed 10 needy people. Feeding people is not possible. Then he will fast 10 fasts. It seems a little technical. But what does it teach us? That it's not a small matter. It's not something that's very little. That's insignificant. No, it's a very serious offense to violate the rules of ihram. It's a very serious matter for which are consequences. 
A person has to offer an animal, or he has to feed needy people, or he has to fast. But something has to be done. Why? Allah says, لِيَذُوقَ So that he will taste. وَبَالَ أَمْرِهِ The consequence of his deed. وَبَالَ from وَوْبَالَن وَبَالَ is basically heavy rain. You know, when it falls, it hits. So وَبَالَ is the consequence of your sin. You should also suffer. عَفَ اللَّهُ عَمَّا سَلَفْ Allah has pardoned for that which has happened before. Salafa, it has happened. It's over. It's gone. So whatever has happened before, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven you for that. Let's say 10 years before this wahi came down, an incident such as this took place. So does a person have to give kafara for that too? No. Whatever has happened, has happened. وَمَنْ عَادَ But whoever repeats now, after knowing that this is something that's not allowed, yet he hunts in a state of ihram, then فَيَنْتَقِمُ اللَّهُ مِنْهِ Then Allah will take revenge from him. وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ زُنْتِقَامٌ And Allah is exalted in might, the owner of retribution. Intiqam is from noon qaf meem. And intiqam is basically to take revenge, retribution. When somebody has wronged you, you wrong them back. When somebody has harmed you, you harm them in return. So when a person violates the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set, then he's wronging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what will happen? Allah takes revenge. And the person has to suffer the consequences. He has to give the kafala. He is penalized. He has to suffer the punishment. And if he repeats over and over again, then it becomes a more serious crime. أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ It is permissible for you. What is permissible? صَيْدُ bahri. The hunting, the game of the sea. Meaning if you're traveling by sea and you are in the state of Ihram, you're going to the Kaaba and you're traveling by sea. So can you catch fish or is that considered wrong? Allah says, no, you can hunt at sea. Why? Why is this permission given at sea? Why do you think so? Because if you run out of supplies, food supplies, while you're traveling on land, you can come across a tree that has berries on it. You can come across some people who are also traveling and you can buy food from them. You could perhaps stop by a date palm orchard and you could eat dates over there when you're traveling by land. But if you're traveling by sea, then tell me, where is the next gas station? Where can you stop and get more food supplies from? You can't. So that means you have to starve to death? No. This is why the allowance has been given at sea to hunt. Which kind of hunting? Of the sea creatures. Not that a person is standing on the ship and trying to hunt birds. No, you can't do that. By the way, those birds, I wonder even if they're all halal. So, أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ صَيْدُ الْبَحْرِ The game of the sea, meaning all sea creatures, whose maulid and and maskan, whose place of birth and their place of living is the sea. They are born there, they live there, they die there. That's their home. They're sea creatures. All such creatures, Allah says, they are allowed for you to hunt when? In your ihram. وَطَعَامُهُ And its food, meaning the food of the sea. What's the food of the sea? The food that it offers to you. And it's referring to basically dead sea creatures. Dead sea creatures. Allah says they are lakum. They are a provision for you. Meaning something that has come easily to you. You didn't have to put a net and catch a fish. Rather it just died and is floating at the surface. So you can just catch it and eat it. So what does it show? That all sea creatures 
are halal. You can eat them. Whether you find them alive or dead. Because you cannot possibly say Bismillah Allahu Akbar when you are catching a fish and slaughtering it. Why? Because fish, when they're caught, they're caught in many, many numbers. And many times it happens that when they're caught, they're not taken out of the water immediately. So what happens is that they might die because of congestion or for whatever reason, they might die within the net. So when you take it out, you don't know which one was alive from before and which one was dead from before. And it's not possible to handle each fish separately. And this is not just something that may be a problem today, but it was a problem always in the past. Even sharks are halal, whales, squid, all sea creatures. Because they are born in the sea, they live there, they die there. Scholars have said that all sea creatures are permissible even though they may be big or they may be small. They may be found dead or alive. Even if they resemble a human being. Because once somebody asked a question that is a mermaid halal. First of all, do mermaids even exist? Okay, but people like to ask such questions. So they said, doesn't matter, even if it resembles a human being. If it is a creature of the sea, born there, lives there, dies there, then it is halal. Even if it remembers a dog, because people called sharks the dogs of the sea, because they have fangs and they hunt and they catch, just like dogs do on land. Likewise, I said, even if they may be the pig of the sea, what is that? Dolphin. I don't know why. Dolphins are so cute. So whatever creature of the sea, it is halal. And they do not need to be slaughtered properly. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, Sayyidul Bahri. And ta'amuhu mata'alakum. It is permissible for you and also for who? And also for travelers. Sayyara are who? Travelers. Meaning whether someone is in the state of ihram or not. It's allowed for all people. Hunting at sea, all sea creatures are allowed for you to eat. وَحُرِّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ صَيْدُ الْبَرِّ But haram for you is the hunt of the land, the game of the land. Until when? مَا دُمْتُمْ حُرُمًا As long as you stay in the state of ihram. So as long as you're in the state of ihram, you are not allowed to hunt. Where? On land. You're not allowed to hunt over there. Now there is a question over here. What is meant by Saidul Bar, the game of the land? Does it mean hunting is not allowed? Or does it mean that the meat from the animal that was hunted is not allowed? Because what if somebody else hunts? They're not in ihram and they offer the food to you. Can you eat them? Even though it was hunted? And you are in the state of ihram? Yes, you can. As long as it was not caught for you. As long as it was not caught for you. Because if it was caught for you, then it's like as though you have hunted. Because we learned that once a companion, he gave a zebra as a gift to the Prophet ﷺ in the area of Abwa. And the Prophet ﷺ returned it. When he saw the effect of his returning the gift on that man's face, he said, we only gave it back to you because we are in the state of ihram. Because the Prophet ﷺ thought that he hunted that zebra. For who? For the Prophet ﷺ. Because he couldn't hunt it himself because he was in ihram. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ returned it. On another occasion we learned, Abu Qatada, he hunted a zebra when he was not in ihram and he offered it to those who were in the state of ihram. And they hesitated to eat from it. So they asked the Messenger of Allah ﷺ and he said, did any of you point at it? Or help kill it. 
Did any of you even show the zebra to Abu Qatada? Or did any of you help him by giving him the spear or by telling him how to shoot? They said no. So he said then eat. And he also ate from it. So these two incidents, what do they teach us? That if it was hunted for you, then you don't eat it. But if it was not hunted for you, the person just hunted for himself, not specifically for you, then in that case you can eat from it. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي إِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ And fear Allah, the one to Him you will all be gathered. All of you are going to return to Allah. So fear Him, even if nobody is watching you. Because you might feel you're alone, nobody's looking. You know, for example, in ihram, you're not allowed to cut your nails. But who's going to keep a check on you that you don't cut your nails? Your hajj group leader, your mom, your dad, your spouse. Nobody's going to do that. You're not allowed to put fragrance on. Who's going to keep a check on you that you don't do that? Nobody can. You yourself have to keep a check. And what will make you observe the rules correctly? The fear of Allah that I am going back to Him. Now, when it comes to sea creatures, those who live at sea, are born there, die there, it's clear. They live in water. They can't survive out of water. But what about creatures who live at sea, but they can also survive out of water for some time? Meaning they can stay out of the water. Like for example, crabs, turtles, lobster, shellfish basically. They are in water, but they're also out of water. There is difference of opinion concerning all these creatures. Some scholars have said that they are still creatures of the sea. Why? Because they don't live in rainforests. They don't live without water. They need water to survive. They can't reproduce without it. They cannot eat without it. They cannot survive without it basically. Yes, they may need it less compared to other creatures, but still they need it. So water is a big part of their life. So that's why they're considered as sea creatures, so they're absolutely halal. And others said that no, they will be treated as land animals as well, because they live on land too. And for that reason, you have to slaughter them. But which creatures can you slaughter? Creatures that have blood. Tell me, how can you slaughter mussels, shellfish? How can you slaughter it? You can't. doesn't even have blood in it. If you get one that's already open, you shouldn't eat it. You know that? Shellfish, mussels for example, if you get them when they're open, you should not eat it because it's dead. And it could be very, very harmful. So you have to basically cook it when it's alive. That's a sad reality, but that's how it is. And why? Because they don't have blood. This is just like locusts. Are locusts halal? Yes, they are. Do they have blood? No, they don't. So if a person finds a roasted locust in the heat of the desert, can he eat it? Yes, he can. What if he finds a locust that's alive? Can he eat that? Yes. How will he kill it? By breaking it or by doing something that will kill the locust and then he can eat it. So whatever means, quick means, easy means that are adopted to kill that creature, that can be done. And they are halal. So there is no harm. So lobsters and all these various kinds of shellfish, just relax, okay? And enjoy them because they don't have blood and you can't slaughter them. So the same rule of the locusts will apply on these creatures. If the Prophet ﷺ allowed locusts, then these creatures are also allowed because they're very similar in nature. With regards to frogs, 
the Prophet ﷺ forbade killing of the frogs. So if you can't kill them, that means you should not eat them. When it comes to turtles, again there's difference of opinion. I say when there's so many other things, just enjoy them. Okay? Just stay away from the gray area. When it comes to crocodiles, I'm sure you don't want to eat it. Okay? Because it's so scary anyway. Let's listen to the recitation. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la taqtulu s-sayda wa antum hurum wa man qatalahu minkum muta'ammidan fajazaun mithlu ma qatala minan na'ami yahkumu bihi dhawa adlim minkum hadiyan هديا بالغ الكعبة أو كفارة طعام مساكين أو عدل ذلك صياما ليذوق وبال أمره عفى الله عما سلف ومن عاد فينتقم الله منه والله عزيز ذو انتقام أحل لكم صيد البحر وطعامه متاعا لكم وللسيارة وحرم عليكم صيد البر ما دمتم حرما واتقوا الله الذي إليه تحشرون